There are a lot of people just want to stay asleep and they want everything to stay the same and they want everything to stay comfortable. And that is just, that is like collective suicide. This is season six, episode 12 of Beyond the Illusion. Astrology update with Shannon and Russ. Before we go into 2023, I was just curious if if there's anything about 2022 that's important to review or look at pertaining to the energies that we're moving into in 2023? Yeah, great question. I mean, definitely we have to sort of always know where we're coming from to understand where we're going. And we all remember 2020 as the big awakening where the veil became very thin and the blinders were ripped off. And essentially the major aspect that we've been dancing with since then has been the square between Saturn and Uranus. And so for all of 2021 and 2022, that was the major aspect, which archetypally we can just simplify that by considering that Saturn represents the old system the conventional ways, sort of the archaic paradigm where the some of the um, elements of that were not life-affirming and very hierarchical, corrupt, etc. In a 90-degree uh, relationship, which is a conflictual mathematical angle with Uranus, which rules the future, and it's the modern ruler of the Aquarian age. So that's the innovation and you know, the new age and the new paradigm and progress and evolution. So these, you could feel the tension between the old and the new, sort of the consensus mindset versus the the more evolved awareness, the new consciousness on the planet. And so those two planets have been really rubbing each other, you know, a lot of friction Saturn has moved on, and so it's out of orb now. So there's a different story that's going on, and they're still going to be in relationship. But I would say, just in answer to your question, that's been the predominant theme uh, that's culminated and that's actually ending in 2022. Yay. I'm glad glad we moved through that. (laughs) Wonderful. Okay. And then, so, yeah, where do we start with 2023? I guess maybe just like looking at some big, broad overall themes and energies of 2023? You know, feeling into it, a theme that has arisen for me is that it really feels like 2023 is an existential rite of passage or an existential initiation for us. And not only are we initiating this new world of higher consciousness, but simultaneously, we're also being initiated And it's an interesting phenomena in the sense that a lot of it is self-initiation. A lot of this is very personal. While we are moving into this new paradigm, which is more organismic, where we're operating as one organism, each of us has an individual part to play and has to do our work. So it's like the micro and the macro and the syzygy of the two will create this new world. We'll go into specifics around that, but it does feel really big. It feels like we've come out of a bit of um, a PTSD, a collective sort of like 
like, wow, that really happened. And wow, so much was layered on top of the pandemic and, and it just kept rolling into a, our face. And then we're sort of coming to this space of acknowledgement and acceptance and a deeper understanding of it alchemically and how it's all connected. And what the, the math is really telling us is that we have truly arrived and now each of us has our part to play and it's going to require all of us. It's going to require our dedication to the third dimensional reality, our work in the fourth dimension to clarify our vessel, move the obstructions to the light. And then the highest hope is to be operating in the fifth dimensional reality where we have the powers of the universe working through us to truly create this, you know, heaven on earth, which is what we were designed to inhabit. Can I pause for a second and just ask about the dimensions? Because I know some listeners will be like, what does she mean by the third dimension, the fourth dimension, and the fifth dimension in you know whatever way you perceive it? Could you kind of explain what you mean by that? Yeah, of course. So, so most of your listeners probably, if they've been following our work, know that we're straddling the ages. We're straddling the Pisces and the Aquarian age. We're at the cusp which is sort of the death of the old and the birth of the new happening simultaneously. And because the ages are 2000 plus years long, the cusping period could be a hundred years or more, right? So that's important to just always consider as the backdrop, because I get that question a lot. When is this going to be over or when is, you know, give, wanting specifics. So not only are we straddling the ages, but we're also straddling the dimensional states. And as an evolutionary astrologer, I really, I really emphasize this and work with people about the evolution of consciousness. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the dimensions. The third dimensional consciousness is more of the 3D solid. We might, re, you know, use the metaphor as the matrix level of existence where we're sort of still in that Pisces age illusion sort of the dream world, sort of not really understanding the mysteries and the interconnection with the universe and ourself as fractals of the one source. And so we're just in a machine or we're in a false reality in the third dimensional state where it's everything that that is our experience has to, is solid and can be proven. The fourth dimensional reality and also in the third dimensional reality, that's where we're also succumb to being controlled from the outside. So this is where we receive our orders or we look for power to guide us either from the system, the government, or from some kind of nebulous God in the sky. And so that's the amnesic state of forgetfulness of our unitive consciousness with one another, but also with source energy. So the fourth dimensional state is whenever the soul in the spirit is evolving and waking up to a higher level of consciousness where we're starting to wake up out of the dream. We're starting to have experiences of the miracles and the interconnection and the synchronicities and the magic and starting to see this divine order that not only is the creation force, but it is also the energy that we are wielding in our own life. And so that's the dimensional state where we start to do our work and start to unplug from the matrix, start to understand that we have healing to do. We start looking into the shadow and the unifying of polarity, the dance of opposites, masculine and feminine, light and dark. And this is where majority of my clients reside is in the fourth dimensional reality uh, where we are taking our sovereignty back and we are recognizing and remembering the divinity that is innate and that is within all of us. And 
reconciling our power and remembering our purpose and that we came here with a mission. And so starting to wake up to even to multidimensionality, remembering past lives, you know, opening up to the vast, vast universe. And then the fifth dimensional reality is the dimension that we have access to and that many of us will have peak experiences where we get to uh, travel and, and visit those, those spaces. And that's where the magic lives. And that's where we, we are completely online with our divine self, our God and goddess, the source universe. We are the creator creating and experiencing itself in that realm. We have access to unlimited energy and co-creative force to navigate and to create the new world. So, and there's more dimensions than, than the fifth. And the ultimate is that we, we do, which is exciting. We're in a time evolution is extremely accelerated that we can begin to occupy that fifth dimensional reality on a more regular basis. I'll just add to that. So to make it easier for myself to think of these things, I like to add sub dimensions so that we're not necessarily either in one or the other. We're kind of on a ladder, like Jacob's ladder, up and down to heaven, you know, 4.1, 4.2, and on up. You know, it's like some people may be higher up, closer to understanding this higher dimensional space, while others may be down here 4.2. And still others may be, like where Shannon said, on the other side of that, still trying to figure out what all this means to navigate space-time reality. But once you begin to understand that space-time reality, the, the, the dimensionality of time expands into the fifth dimensional state, once you, you, once you begin to broaden your perspective on time, you can perceive these other places through, um, you know, going into the Akashic field as an expanded place where you go through in time and whatnot. So, you know, I, I like to think I'm, you know, somewhere in mid-level, 4.5, working on 6 or something, you know. Uh, so the, just uh, think about these dimensional states um, like that. And then once you get beyond that, then you go into different levels of the of the Godhead and, and so forth. Yeah, that that's probably the best explanation we've ever gotten on this podcast because we ask people that a similar version of that question, and we've had a bunch of different answers. and. I really like that answer between the both of you because it did address, you know, this aspect of there are different levels and different places that each individual could be at in that transition. And and that's, uh, I think, an important point to make, too. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you for that explanation. That was very good. One last thing I'll say, just as far as evolutionary astrology, they actually define these levels of consciousness as consensus, which would be the third dimension, individuated, which is the fourth, where you're becoming your individual expression of soul, and then spiritual. And within the three, there's three subcategories. So that goes along with what you were saying, the, uh, the uh, sections within within the stages. Yeah, and you think about it, in, we're in levels of subtle density. You know, I've been studying a lot of the uh, Judaic myths about our age, particularly where we are in transition. And we are sort of, there's seven levels, and then inside those seven levels, there are seven more levels. So there's 49 sub-levels into the lowest parts of hell. And we're sort of, we're describing that we've reached a point that now we have to ascend. The bulk of humanity has become so dense. Now we have to begin the ascension process back up to, to the into the Einsoft, to the Godhead. So, you know, think about you can think about it in religious terms, scientific terms. You know, no matter how you think about it, we we've reached a point of we have to rebound and return to source, and it feels good to know that we've reached that. You know, in a lot of ways. 
So that's the overarching theme. We are initiating this new paradigm and we are also being initiated. So before I go into more specifics of what I mean by that, I think maybe we'll just work chronologically and starting off in January uh, as we kick off the the beginning of the Gregorian New Year. I will mention that, you know, the in my opinion, our opinion, the true New Year is the spring equinox when the sun actually enters Aries and the life returns in the northern hemisphere. But because of vast amounts of people marking this, it has significance. <laughs> January starts out a little slower because we will still have Mars and Mercury retrograde. So we're beginning the year with some of the personal planets, which means the personal planets are affecting us personally in their retrograde motion, which is not their normal speed. And as a matter of fact, Mars has been retrograde in Gemini since October 30th. Mars is the planet of action. Mars is the fire of creation. It actually rules Aries. It's the warrior and it is the masculine drive of manifestation. It is what we are willing into being. It's the pioneer, it's the innovator, and it likes to be on the go. So it is not happy retrograde. And so people have been feeling frustration, um, easily agitated. It can think about fire and like an engine that's usually on the go, but turned inside, it can create inter an inter feeling of internal combustion. And in Gemini, it has been even more confusing because Gemini is the sign of the twins. And so anytime the planets are retrograde, there's a reevaluation of that planet's energy. And with Mars, we've been reevaluating our direction. Where are we going? Why? And with the uh, Mars being in Gemini, which is the twins and duality, there's been a lot of confusion. Am I going to do this or am I going to do that? Is this the right answer? Is that the right answer? So put that on top of the fact that the, the fire that is usually in direct motion is sort of involuted. It's been a really interesting time where people have had to just learn to deal with their triggers, learn to deal with their own sense of balance really because it's been a really fiery time so january 12th mars goes direct and theoretically we should have a, a plan of action like a, a renewed sense of where we're going and the highest with mars since it's our personal will is to the question to ask is is our personal will aligned with higher will and when those two things are in motion then that's when the magic happens the doorways will open Great question. Yeah, what a wonderful question to ponder on right now. And I've been really feeling that Mars retrograde, like all of these ideas and all of these possibilities and people wanting to collaborate. But there's other things that I have to take care of first and not being able to like, focus on the things that I'm excited about and having to take care of other stuff. So I really feel that kind of like, oh, wanting to push ahead. Oh, but I can't. And then so many different possibilities. And which ones am I going to focus on? So so I really thank you for sharing that. Yeah, we've been in the same place. You know, it's like, wow, just because the universe gives you these options doesn't mean you're always supposed to take them. Because <laughs> we're right. constantly putting out wishes into the universe. So they're coming in in different ways and at different times. But that doesn't mean it's like, coming from a place of precision of mind, precision of focus, a uh, a real mature assessment of time, space, and energy, which is going to be very important this year as Saturn is going to be moving into Pisces. We'll get into that. But we have to be very strategic right now. 
And we do have limited resources in the sense of time, you know, and energy. And that's just a fact on the on the one 3D level. So this is the beautiful invitation with a retrograde is that we stop and we reflect. So the fact that it's going direct in January is actually a really good time that, you know, we're getting to start launch into the new year. And 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 Mercury also is going to go retrograde here at the end of 2022 on the 29th. And it's retrograding this time in Capricorn, which is the sign that rules our system. It rules our structures, our foundation, our roots. It's everything we're working towards. It's building the new world for many of us. So Mercury retrograde is asking, how is all that? How's your functioning? How's your overall functionality? So we have our our goal, which is our aim, which is where we want to go with Mars and Mercury saying, well, what's your process? Like, what's your, what's your, your program here? How are you being efficient? Where could you be better? You know, do you need support? You know, do you have a map? Do you need to get an oil change? You know, things like that. And so this is, you know, Mercury goes retrograde several times a year, four times a year in 2023. So we get to pause and reflect more often than Mars. Mars only retrogrades once every 18 months. So every year and a half. So that's that's a big difference. So this is really important that they're both going to be in retrograde motion at the same time and both going direct the same week. So January 18th is when Mercury will go direct. So that's just a week after Mars. So I would say that around that time is if you have anything planned to launch or to initiate, that would be a really powerful potent time to to plan for something like that yeah that's that's good advice i was going to ask you know if if that was a good time for something like that and i did want to mention this real quick that over the past few months i've started a few projects you know just in my personal life and in my professional life and um they've just seemed to kind of like grind to a halt like not even to a halt but just like become like super tedious and taking like way longer than i thought they would have taken and uh, I mentioned that to Tiana, and she said, well, it's probably because, you know, the retrogrades that are happening right now. And I just wanted to know, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, definitely. It can cause frustration and it can cause, you know, agitation or, or questioning. But that's the power of astrology. If we understand that actually the retrogrades are a gift because they help us to get really clear into the details because we get just you know, really wrapped up in on the hamster wheel of life. And then we wake up one day and we're like, how do we get over here? You know, why are we, you know, why, when did we turn here or make that decision? And so this is a time to really check in and to really tune in. It's a time to slow down as well and to really assess and to look at things in more detail. And then the energies will always go forward. And and another date that I'd like to throw out there that seems significant is between Mars direct and Mercury de- direct on January 27th, Mercury will be Kazemi, which is where it becomes into the exact degree with the sun. Anytime a planet is in Kazemi or combust with the sun, the sun is infusing its illumination or its light into that planet. And so with Mercury, this is the mind. And so this is this is what we talked about, your functionality, your plans. It's also how you communicate and navigate your world. This is a moment where you might get a, a blast of inspiration or clarity, something you've been looking for that you maybe couldn't see very clearly. So I would pay attention around the seventh, make space to listen, you know, or even to ask and to make space to see what wants to come through. So that's another really powerful day. 
just there at the beginning of the year. And I'm just going to say it. Uh, I just love the word Kazemi. <laughs> it makes me think of a, like, a, I don't know, the great Kazemi or something like this. And and, and he's going to have all the answers for me. Anyway, I just like that word. I like it too. It's fun to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, so that's January. February is is interestingly quiet. It's Aquarius season, so there's definitely something to celebrate there. There's no major aspects to speak of, especially just not for this sort of general overview. But when we arrive in March, this is the big month. This is like drum roll, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I, I just want to add, when she says like there's not anything that may be a major affecting the the planets in general, it doesn't mean it not necessarily for you. I mean, it's it true. could actually there could be something in your personal chart. So this is where you know you need to look into your yourself, know thyself in order to see, hey, is there is there anything else that I'm going to be feeling in this process? But collectively, it's kind of a quiet month. So that's a great point. You yeah. know, you could be having, you know, Pluto going to come into square with your moon. And that's a once in a lifetime thing for you. But that's yeah. why you should consult an astrologer to know those personal things. I was going to say that. <laughs> I was going to say they could go see you and they could figure it out. Yeah, in case you know any. Yeah. And just to backtrack for just a moment, I didn't have this in my notes, but I'll, I'll name it. January 21st is the first new moon of the year and it's the new moon in Aquarius. So for us, that feels like the true launch into the new year. And we are actually hosting an, an all day event on that day mm-hmm. here in the hill country and the pyramid of Samadhi. So for any locals that are near around Austin or Texas, um, we can talk about that at the end. But, uh, you know, as far as setting your intentions, both Mercury and Mars are direct. Of course, with every new moon, it's a seed planting time. So to do some type of ceremony on that day would be very powerful. Now we will move into March. So March is the featured month. And it's very interesting because we're going to have the two major events, probably of the whole year, as a matter of fact, Pluto moving into Aquarius of the decade. This is like the signature aspect that astrologers have been talking about for a long time. There are two things, significant things happening in the same month. So Pluto's moving into Aquarius. But before that happens, on March 7th, we have Saturn, which is the planet that rules Capricorn, which rules structure foundation we talked about this major aspect the last two years saturn squaring uranus remember saturn is structure and form it's the 3d realm moving into pisces the last sign of the zodiac you can think about saturn as time and space 3d reality and pisces is boundlessness it is the undefinable it is the great mystery they don't fully understand each other archetypally and It is a very, very powerful two and a half year passage that sort of brings in my theme about the initiation, because essentially in the highest, I would say that Saturn into Pisces, we have the opportunity to truly unify spirit and matter. Saturn is the 3D, Pisces is the old age, Saturn is, it is truth in in any ways. I think that we're going to see even more of the blinders coming off a real reality check in the next two and a half years. Again, you have to think about this is there's an orb of time. We're talking about 2023, but Saturn will be in Pisces through for two and a half years. So through 2025, 
the waters, the ocean of Pisces, the boundlessness, I think is going to continue to disintegrate the structures. You know, we've been watching this, those of us who are aware of this level of reality happening over the last few years. And I think that it's really going to become even more interesting, perhaps surreal, the mystery coming more into play with the, the Saturnian realm. One of the images I've been putting in my mind regarding this particular aspect is what Saturn represents is these solid structures that, and I, and I've been seeing like ancient mud bricks suddenly being dipped into water and it's just starting to dissolve the systems that we've seen in place for a long time in our path. And it's very important that it's happening now, right before we move into this other, other aspect. But as one dissolves, we have to remember that we are in control of what is coming out of this dissolution. One what we're looking at is a clash of fantasy versus reality as well. Pisces can be very dreamy and fanciful. It's a water sign and reality is harsh. And, and I mean, uh, Capricorn is more about reality and it's very harsh. It's represented by the rock and these two come together and they don't always agree. But this is where we do get to make the magic because some people will be lost in this chaotic change. As we move further into this decay, they're going to end up in a realm that they didn't design. They didn't work with the imagination. They didn't work with the mind and the intention. For those of us who want to create the parallel reality in this process, now's the time to start it because there's a spiritual aspect of Pisces. Pack that mud brick that's been dissolved into new foundations for a new temple, you know, for what's going to be forming after that. We have this is where I feel like the focus really should take on a spiritual connotation so that we begin to gather our forces and uh, move into this creation of this reality, basically just forming a new structure out of it. Yeah, and I think that for me, this is where I really got the inspiration about this being an initiation, because we've been talking about these concepts for decades, right? And the initiatory process, there's tests, right? There's the, a rite of passage is a sacrifice. It is, you have to work to receive the keys to the, to the gates. You, not everybody can pass through the gates. You have to have done your work. We'll just put it that way. There's many people that have been preparing for this shift for a long time and that we actually have this capacity, Saturn, 3D reality, to move into the boundlessness, into the heavenly realm of Pisces. But the initiatory process is going to test us and it's going to require integrity, which is a Saturnian word, to the natural laws. And what I mean by that, the natural laws is the laws of nature. And so this is very important right now as well, especially with us moving deeper into this Aquarian age where things are getting quite artificial on some level, that we continue to hold on to our humanity. And the way that we do that is that we ground ourselves, Saturn, through practice, Saturn, to the spiritual laws, to nature. And that has to do with the refinement of your body. What are you putting in it? That's an example. The food that you're eating. Yeah, and not not just that, but your your soul as well. Mm -hmm. You know, you well, of course. yeah, the, your humanity, the things we need to exist in this realm. But this is, I see this also. This is a evolving into a spiritual war, and that we have to remember that this what we're creating is basically it has to have the intention of preserving the soul through what's going to come next. 
Exactly. And so we're talking about frequency here. And so yeah. how do we attune to these higher frequencies? It has to do with our spiritual practice. And that's Saturn. That's Saturnian. Saturn is the mountain goat. It's going to work hard to climb that mountain. You know, it wants success. It wants to see a product that it's creating. And so with this particular aspect, it is that we are creating the unification of groundlessness into boundlessness, of unifying spirit into matter. And we have this opportunity really to obtain and maintain. I think we've been having access to these higher frequencies for a while, but to maintain them is where the initiatory process is coming in. And it's going to take a daily a daily attention to how we are living in integrity to these higher principles, the spiritual laws and the natural world and the natural laws. I really like that the theme is initiation and that you're giving that to us now. I think there are those in spiritual community that are like, oh, if we just focus our thoughts on what we want, then boom, we manifest it, you know? <laughs> and the idea of recognizing that initiation has tests and has discipline and practice, you know, that's not something that maybe like 10 years ago, I would have been very keen for. <laughs> like, that doesn't sound very fun, but I really like over the past several years really come to appreciate the value of really grounding our spirituality and having a little bit more structure. I'm somebody who, sun sign cancer, rising Pisces, I was always like, oh, I hate structure. I feel confined and imprisoned. But then learning that the watery part of me has resisted structure a lot. But then um, actually way back when I met Shannon and she told me about having my North Node in Capricorn and so forth. And I was learning to really embrace kind of these earthy things and how much that helps me to have some discipline and structure around things. And so, yeah, so anyway, I've been embracing that and it's really helped me. And I think it's super important now, like you said, that we have this kind of discipline to ground our spirituality. I think the energies have been, for those of us that are sensitive, really powerful and intense. And if I hadn't had some of these regular practices that I've been doing, I think I would have just been overwhelmed. And And I have been really focused on initiation and I've gone back to, or been drawn back to Alice Bailey's book, in fact, called Initiation, Human and Solar, and going back through these. And so there have been all of these tests that have been coming up. And I think when we realize that we're in that process, it's so much easier to accept. And then when you have these tools and practice that help you stay grounded, then when you get tested, you're not overwhelmed. I'm nervous, but excited that the theme <laughs> is initiation. Oh, yeah, you're, you're totally prepared. You're going to be guiding people, you know, for yeah. sure. And, and, and it's true. I mean, I think it grounding is going to be imperative this year as the flood of change is going to continue. And again, always, always like a point to remembering that we're not through the birth canal yet, in my opinion, as far as this true shift of the ages. And and this year feels like, and the next aspect with Pluto and Aquarius, we'll talk about, uh, it feels like maybe we're really going to enter into, you know, that process. We've been sort of flirting with it, it seems, in the last few years. I know that there is sometimes resistance to practice, but actually it is going to award us the things that we desire. And whenever I say practice, sometimes it's even just intentional 
focus on our dreams, like what we're creating. And so there's, there's different kinds of ways to practice. Like Russell and I've been really playing a lot with some of the Silva method, which is, it's not about, you know, the type of meditation where you have to be quiet and quiet your mind. It's actually learning how to focus your thoughts in really creative ways. And so there's just a multitude of ways that that can unfold. And, you know, I talked, I want to just point to this as far as, you know, integrity to these, these natural laws. I, I think it's important to always recognize the polarity point of all planets moving through signs. And so Saturn moving through Pisces means it's going to be opposing Virgo for two and a half years. So those people who have Virgo placements that have mutable signs, Sagittarius, Gemini, Pisces, Virgo, the tension will be there. And so we also need to remember that this is the axis of our health and our immune system. And I don't think we're out of the woods yet as far as, you know, some of these potential viruses coming down the, the pipe. And so being ahead of the game, you know, continuing to just boost and to keep yourself in optimal health, uh, mind, body, spirit, soul, as Russell said, I think is just going to be a good way to also preempt anything that could be coming through. Can I just clarify when you said boost, you didn't mean like <laughs> chemically boost. not the jab. No, <laughs> boost, let's, 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 let's take a break on some of that. Uh, no, boost your natural immune system. Our bodies are our greatest technology. And yeah, there's there's something in the zeitgeist wanting to sort of hijack that. I'm not pointing any fingers because there is only one mind. But the truth is that nothing supersedes our own biology, our own technology, our own energy system, our chakras. And so whenever I talk about integrity to the spiritual laws, it's like learning about our internal mechanics. And what we have access to is absolutely phenomenal and it's unbelievable and it's some of these secret codes and secret teachings were hidden from us and this is what happens in the initiatory process is you you do a little practice you do a little work you do a little clearing you get a key to another doorway that takes you into another level of consciousness then it's exciting and you want to keep going it's like no. a big, it's like a big video game we're in you know you go to the next level go to the next level kind of endless in a lot of ways, but we're getting to the fun levels right now. So yeah, stay with it. I was thinking video game when you said that, like you were talking before about like the, the ladder and 3.7 or three. And I was thinking like, yeah, Oh, that yeah. sounds kind of like a video game. Uh, I did want to, <laughs> <laughs> I did want to ask, and there might not be like a solid answer for this, the way that, you know, of course my little personality wants, but you said we're not even through the birth canal yet. And I was like, in the, our lifetime, are we going to be through the birth canal? What's your, what's your thought on that? I think that's a good segue into our next aspect, which is March 23rd, when Pluto will enter Aquarius. So, you know, we've been talking about this new Aquarius paradigm for some time. And Pluto is the last of the outer planets entering. And so for me, this feels like we're definitely finally here because it is controversial, even amongst astrologers. Some astrologers says, oh, no, 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 that doesn't happen until, you know, 500 more years. Or no, we've been in it for, you know, 1200 years already. It's like, you know, if you can just, if you understand the archetypes, then you can sense the field and you know, like technology is Aquarian, you know, AI is Aquarian. That has really just come on full force since 2020. I mean, sure, it's been in the works, but look at the surge of the arrival and the zeitgeist of all this just so dramatically. So 
you know, whenever you asking, you know, will we ever get through the birth canal? I mean, I don't think anybody can say anything definitely, but my sense is yes. I do feel that we're definitely going to enter the birth canal in our, <laughs> in our, in our time. And I, my sense is that this, this entry of Pluto into Aquarius, which just a little bit of a review, Pluto takes 248 years to go around the Zodiac. Okay. So that's a, a big epic of time in itself. And Pluto rules, Pluto's the furthest planet and Pluto rules the underworld. It's the planet that rules over death and rebirth transformation it rules the shadow realm all things that are hidden it has to do with alchemy changing forms you know I, I think about it being the modern ruler of Scorpio I always point to in the northern hemisphere Scorpio season is when everything starts to die and goes into the compost and it's that very natural process of regeneration it's the snake death and rebirth right Aquarius is humanity so we can just look at keywords and be like, oh, death and rebirth of humanity. That feels like a birth process. Pluto will be in Aquarius for 20 years. It's been in Capricorn since 2008. So when Pluto enters a sign, it does what? It reveals the underworld, the corruption, things that aren't working, things that are toxic in order to be transmuted. And so that's what's been going on since 2008 is all the the, the dross and the toxicity for, from our system, Capricorn system has been emerging. And so now with it entering Aquarius, we will be looking at a 20 year time of alchemizing humanity. To answer your question from the birth perspective, I think this is one of those births that just takes a while. So the baby's turned, it's crowning. You took four days to have Victoria, right? So, I mean, it could be a while. By the time the whole feed and everything gets out of there and the cord gets nipped in the first breath to make this baby an animated creature upon the earth. But we're, it, we're actually, I think, looking at it that way, I think many of us are crowning. I feel like there's a crowning that's happening. There's an awakening source of people that are already aware that something has changed in the environment and then there are those that are still at, further along in the in the process of the canal who are not quite ready to be out or you know still feel the comfortability of the womb or whatever you whatever metaphor you wish to use you know so but we are in this process it, it is emerging and i think that as we're moving into this pluto and aquarius transit this is really when the baby gets smacked on the butt at the end, you know, so um, we've got it, we've got 20 years, but um, yeah. Yeah. And like, just to add, you know, on, on Russell's point, <clears throat> so Pluto is going to enter Aquarius March 23rd on 20 in 2023. So just a few months away, but it only is going to stay in Aquarius until June 11th. And then it's going to retrograde back to the anoretic degree of Capricorn, yes. the 29th degree, which is known as the death degree. And so in a way, it is sort of like a false, you know, it's like, oh, here comes the baby, you know, oh, no, just Braxton Hicks. We're going back in the womb. <laughs> well, remembering my own birth since I was there when it happened, I did this. So I my crowned a little bit and then I went back inside and the doctor, they said he's not coming out for a while. So the doctor left the room. And everyone was gone, including my grandparents. 
And then I decided to birth myself. That's what a good Uranian does. And Aquarius is very connected to Uranus. So I just, you know, started coming out um, and they, they rushed in the room at the right as I was coming out. So I think we may have, a, a you know, an exciting birth like that on our hands. <laughs> but, but really what that what what that I think means to us is that yeah. we're going to get a taste March through June of what to expect will unfold fully into form over the next 20 years. So it's going to retrograde back June 11th and it's going to go back to the death degree of Capricorn. So it's going to be this sort of like, oh, wait, there's still some toxic material that we haven't dealt with. And we can look at that collectively. We can also look at that in our own chart. Where is 29 Capricorn zero Aquarius in your own chart? You know, where are you dissolving the old and birthing the new what structures of your life are you holding on to or that are archaic so there's this sort of dancing back and forth over the zero point for a year and a half and it won't go fully forward until end of 2024 where it will stay for the next 20 years so pluto rules the soul so another way i like to look at is that this is a evolution of the human soul as a collective the collective soul that we're going through and yes for me it does feel like we're we're truly emerging into this new age yet it's going to be a process i mean we can feel that like the old power you know the shadow government whatever we want to call it is not going to give up their seat their throne very easily and so what I really see happening is this split in reality into two parallel realities. And I know there's a lot of talk in the woo community about that, but there is an ast actual astrological component that I think verifies that. And it's the fact that Pluto, excuse me, Aquarius is governed by two planets. Saturn, actually, interestingly, which we refer to as the old guard a lot, also a ruler of Capricorn is the traditional ruler uranus which is the future the innovation aspect the futuristic uh progressive planet uh is the modern ruler Go governor governor excuse me <laughs> we're changing those terms governor yeah. and i guess we don't want to say ruler because when there's more than one planet that's doesn't we're getting away from the rulership model in general well <laughs> you got to think of it in, in traditional astrology since we are astrologers and we're talking about that nothing outside of saturn was a ruler it was all these were all the outer planets the outer gods uranus neptune pluto these were these were not gods that were connected to the inner planets saturn so the traditional astrology was built on this model and being mathematically inclined i can see that there's a mathematical relationship that, that doesn't include that so there is direct influence that, that Uranus plays, the revolutionary energy plays, the electrified energy plays in Aquarius that it does not in Capricorn. Both are ruled by Saturn. So I'm giving you a quick astrological lesson. But the the nature of Saturn still applies to what we're moving into. There, there is going to be a vacuum once of these structures begin to decay. And in this, as this vacuum begins to build the storm what we see in the mythologies it's called aquarius is also known as the storm as this storm builds it's going to pull towards a center and it's going to create something new an eye in the storm is going to out of this will evolve a new type of relationship with governors with who we actually are governed by i mean governments on the like the, the people talk about the new world order well this could be when they t they step up to the plate you know just to just to talk conspiracy theory for a moment yeah exactly and so when i say this parallel reality you know aquarius is an interesting sign because on the one hand it is the group 
it is the sort of hive mind. And so it's already seemed to manifest in the sense there will be those that are herded in a sense that are just going to go along with what they're being told to do. And they're perfectly fine to give up their sovereignty, their freedom, their individuality to be whatever their perceived feeling or uh, experience of safety and security or, you know, just more comfortable in the old structures of power over. That's the Saturnian re- level of reality. And that's the agenda that we see, right? 2030 and all of that coming online full force. And then there's the Uranian types that are saying, heck no. And they're going to create and forge the new path, which is the alternate reality, which we are all a part of, that are creating the new world, utilizing our internal technology, saying, no, you will not turn me into a robot and I will not just be a part of the machine any longer. And so it's interesting to see that it's actually astrological as well. The two planets that had been squaring, right, the last two years are now like, fine, we can't reconcile for us. So we're both just going to do our own thing. So we have choices to make. And that's really important. Every choice that we make right now counts. And it's all, you know, that can feel overwhelming. But actually, it's it's more simple than we think. It has to do with what channel you're tuning to. What frequency are you running in your system? Which goes back to the importance of grounding and spiritual practice or just even refinement with the natural laws, being in nature, feeding off of the natural elements. We will be given our marching orders. Synchronicities will happen faster and faster. You meet the right people. You know, oh, this you have this resource. I have that resource. We just will sort of organically start to create this alternative reality. I kind of like that we're getting this little dipper feet in the water moment with Pluto and Aquarius versus just like diving in head first. And so we get to kind of acclimate to it to kind of dip our feet in and be like, whoa, and then acclimate to it to fully open to it, you know, in the years ahead. So I appreciate that from the cosmos, because it sounds, you know, pretty major. It is major. I mean, you know, I think Russell has some some interesting points to share. I mean, we we astrology, the power of astrology is remembering it's a history of cycles, right? So we can look back and say, well, what happened in history last time Pluto moved into Aquarius to get an idea of what the archetypal energies that might play out? Well, if you want to look back just before we go into that, look back what happened the last time Pluto changed a sign. So Pluto went into Capricorn uh, 2007-8. So when it did, it did the same little dance it dipped in to capricorn and you saw the stock market begin to crumble you saw the and then it, it moved back out of that briefly and then everyone thought it's going to be okay and then we moved back into capricorn and then you saw what happened with the financial collapse that occurred during that time we had to bail out the government so that that was what happened the last time we changed an age i mean sorry changed a, uh, an actual sign now go back and we changed an entire revolution of the of Aquarius, it's uh, excuse me, Pluto itself, and you go back to 1776. That's the last time we were in Capricorn, moving into Aquarius, and th- you saw that we had that return earlier this year. This is sort of the revolutionary events that occurred after that. They're going to be echoing. What return are you referring to? Because they may not know. Oh, the United States return. Sorry. So, yes, in 1776, in case anyone was not aware, the United States was founded and we're coming back to our return chart. So we've talked about this quite a bit. 
Uh, but as Shannon was saying, there are a number of important events that occur whenever this happens. So if you go back another, since it's every 248 year cycle, you go back to 1530s to 1550s, and you saw a very similar alignment, not just with Pluto and Aquarius, but this is when um, Henry VIII basically separated from the church, from the from the Catholic Church. He created the Church of England during the same revolutionary period. That that was a, a spiritual change that happened that, uh, that was required for, to split governments in a sense. I did find it interesting that in our historical research that in 1795 to 1819, you saw a lot of changes under the rule of Charlemagne. And so in, around 800 is when he codified the law so that we, we we were taught in school this was a very important event and it happened during the pluto and aquarius of of 800 that laws were new governmental structures were changed um you go back and look um another uh cycle of 248 years 305 to 329 this is when constantine was in rome and and 325 the council of nicaea actually created um the bible as we know it right so like there was a codification that happened again that led to a spiritual governmental shift and before that even i found this very interesting studying a lot of jewish uh, mysticism and kabbalah lately the second temple of jerusalem fell in 70 a.d so this is very symbolic is that there was a spiritual shift like there's no longer a temple in jerusalem for them to worship and then all of the other synagogues kind of scattered out, much like in Christianity, the minnows, you know, Jesus Christ, uh, the story of the fish and the minnows scattering out. So this is very symbolic in many ways, but it actually happened in real life that you saw these shifts that occurred as either spiritual governments or government revolution or, or, or change in, in the mindset occurred during these time periods historically over and over and over again. One thing I just wanted to add was also during the 1530s is when um, we probably did our most brutal damage while subjugating the native peoples of uh, South America. So they definitely felt the other side of that from the colonizing forces that were at the time. So this is a revolutionary period that we're moving into and it is so historically as well i mean that's a, a a lot of great points theoretically it's hard to imagine that we just have parallel universe and everybody just goes along their merry way and it just you know just goes on forever and ever i doubt it like at some point there's going to be a clash but we're not quite there yet but that's building and that's i think part of the birth process is that well, we know, you know, birth, it can be bloody, it's painful. And there's some other aspects that are shifting, uh, which we're going to talk about in just a moment, that are moving us into uh, some more conflictual energies. And so um, I think that that's, that's something that can't be understated. We know we have the war sort of brewing in the background. We're not really, you know, mentioning much of that at this point. But we can all probably feel that the division and the 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 separation of ideology is pretty immense and that at some point it's probably going to come to a head yeah so just on that note when we were talking about this earlier 2020 was very impactful and i see it like a giant ice sheet that's you know out somewhere in the arctic ocean and it's got a big mound in the middle of it and and something has struck it that was the that was the planetary energies that that hit in 2020 and that fractured this giant ice sheet and on the small portion that has the mountain on it only a few people uh managed to get on board with what was actually happening and the bulk of this began to rip the, the thing began to rip over the last two years 
And so many people are now drifting off. They're set on a path. And that's part of what we're learning is that they're going to be harder and harder to pull back over anyone because there's a path that has taken on a gravity and a mass on its own. And it's floating in another direction. And that direction is towards one reality. Ours, which is, um, I hope, this, I like to say ours. Hopefully, we're on the core of that ice sheet that's going to create a new foundation that's going to hit someplace and land and birth the new reality we're talking about. So there is a monumental rift that has occurred because of these transits, and they're going to play themselves out as we move into the storm period. That's a great analogy. Thank yeah, you. so we can't understate you know, the, how truly colossal this, this shift is. And I like, Tiana, what you're saying is that we get a sort of rehearsal with the energy. <laughs> um so, you know, to be continued on that. And so we can just move on then and look into later in the spring. And we will arrive at our first eclipse season, which is the six-week window of April 6th through May 19th. And this was what I was referring to a moment ago. You know, we, we talk pretty much every time about the eclipses as being a portal which a portal we know takes us from one place somewhere else. It accelerates our evolution. The energies, you know, accelerate, they speed up, the lights are out. It's an obscuration of the light between the, the luminary and the planet. And so it's a time where basically massive change happens, good, bad, or ugly. It's non-dual and just all depends on where they fall in your chart, where you are in your evolutionary path. But then there's the collective themes because the eclipses will fall in a certain axis of polarity, two signs, right? Which is dependent on the location of what's called the nodal axis. And I like to just refer to this as the destiny line. It's more easy to remember. It's about the destiny of our soul, our personal and our collective soul. So for the last year and a half, the nodal axis slash destiny line has been in the axis of the south node in Scorpio and the north node in Taurus. Therefore, all the eclipses have been in Scorpio Taurus. So if you are a Scorpio or a Taurus, or if you are a Aquarius or a Leo, those have really been affecting you. And so this next year, the transiting nodal axis is going to shift into Li Libra south node, Aries north node. This is the axis of self and other, known as the axis of relationships. Now, that's not going to officially shift until July. However, we have uh, an interesting phenomena where the first eclipse of the spring is going to occur in Aries, which is just has to do with, with the space, the spatial orientation of the sun and the moon. It's not necessary to get into the specifics around it, but we're going to get a little taste of that and that first eclipse is on april 20th it's a total solar eclipse at 29 aries so remember this 29 degrees very important anytime you hear the 29th degree again that's the anoretic or known as the death degree of a sign it's kind of like do or die it's like graduation point like you better get the lesson it's very concentrated energy aries is the archetype of the warrior okay and so whenever we're talking about the axis of libra and Aries, on the one hand, in the more mundane and personal uh, dimension, we're talking about our relationship dynamics with people. Uh, but on a collective level, um, we're looking more at, we could say Libra's sort of like peace and harmony. 
and Aries more like um, conflict and, you know, potentially war, <laughs> just to name that, you know, it's that fire sign, the fire of creation. And when we're talking about the nodes and the eclipses, oftentimes during that period, a lot of shadow comes up because the lights are out. There's an obscuration. It's known to want to accelerate evolution, which means that we have to purge. We have to go through something alchemically. We are going through shadow. And so that first eclipse season, the first eclipse is April 20th at 29 Aries, which means that it is going to be squared 90 degree harsh conflictual angle by Pluto. Because remember, Pluto will have re retrograded or is going to be uh, near that 29th degree of Aries. It won't have popped back over, but it's less than a degree away. So that in itself is a just, I'm, I'm spending a little more time on this one eclipse. I'm not going to go through all of them because it is a very powerful, intense energy to have an eclipse in Aries squared by Pluto, God of the underworld and the, the war planet. So just paying attention to that period of time. The next eclipse is going to be May 5th, which will be a full moon eclipse in Scorpio. We've been working with Scorpio for a while. It's one of the last eclipses in Scorpio. So we're, we're purging Scorpio. Things are coming up so that they're wanting to be transmuted. So that's the first eclipse season. During that eclipse season, we have our second Mercury retrograde. I'll just name it's April 21st through May 14th. All the retrograde Mercury retrogrades this year are in Earth signs, except the last one dips into Sag, which is fire. So that feels like a theme just to keep in mind, you know, it's going to retrograde in Taurus, has to do with our resources, you know, commodities, has to do with, you know, what we value, what, what we're manifesting, what we're creating, what we hold dear, you know, it could be literally like our food, what's going on with the earth. Again, Mercury is saying we need to rethink things, we need to go deeper into how's everything functioning. So we do that then. And then summer we get into a couple more shifts where uh may 16th jupiter has been traveling in aries which it just went into aries actually well today but this recording won't go out today is december 20th and uh it's been in aries since then and will move into taurus on may 16th jupiter the largest planet brings expansion, brings opportunity, rules higher consciousness, and, and it, moving into Taurus, the earth sign, which is our resources, our relationships, our values. I know you were talking a little bit about this particular aspect. Would you want to add to that one? Uh, yeah, just uh, making sure we focus that on um, what we actually do need, because it de there is a tendency when Jupiter is in Taurus uh, for overindulgence, for uh, a little too much optimism, a little um, maybe too much spending on things you may or may not need. Um, just keeping that in mind that, you know, that's that's my primary um beef with jupiter and taurus pun intended so yeah you always have to consider with jupiter too much of a good thing right so you know there's always a spectrum of light and shadow but for those people who have been really working on creating you know taurus is the artist priestess creative projects creative visions you know working towards in you know manifesting abundance jupiter can really take that to another level and i would really pay attention to june 1st because Jupiter in Taurus will conjunct the North Node. The North Node is that 
North Star, that destiny soul point with Jupiter there, that's a once in 12 year time of, you know, bringing things that are destined into your reality. So look at where's three degrees Taurus in your chart and be paying attention to that moment when Jupiter's going to cross because that would be like a magical day or period. We'll say there's an orb for things to come into fruition. So you can like, you can plan around that. Uh, so, so that's Jupiter. Um, and then there's a couple more things, uh, you know, I think we, we would probably like stop in July, but I think that would be important to mention. Do you guys have any comments or anything you want to share before I go further? No, no, let's, let's hear about the rest. Yeah. Okay. Okay, great. Well, just to clarify that the official shift of the nodal axis is July 17th, where we go into Libra Aries and, and I've emphasized the importance of the eclipses, but just the fact that the, the nodes are now going to be traveling in this new axis of polarity, there's a collective uh, shift of a polarity that we're working with in the collective in the zeitgeist. And Libra is a significant archetype because of the fact that it is the first deacon that we travel in in the age of Aquarius. The signs are broken into subsections. They're called deacons. We know that the uh, ages are 2000 plus years long. Therefore, the first age that we travel through in the new age of Aquarius would be 700 ish years. So this is a way to sort of get more detailed information about what we're birthing, right? And so Libra is the archetype of the lover, which has to do with that sacred mirror. It has to do with the accelerating capacity or force of the crucible of relationships. It's easy to be, we always joke about enlightened by yourself on a mountain, which is the polarity of Aries. <laughs> when we get into the mirror relationship, it reveals all things, right? The light and the dark and the whole spectrum in between. And if we are remembering again, the backdrop of this Aquarian myth that we're living into, which has to do return of the Purusha mind, has to do with the return of the Purusha, the one mind consciousness, then we will start to look into the eyes of another through the eyes of cohesion or unification, that we're all fractals of the one looking back at each other. So therefore, our relationship dynamics can become this fertile ground for the acceleration of um, unifying, unifying the field and serving each other's greatness by having you know a wide bandwidth of patience whenever shadow material comes up or when someone triggers us and it's like, you know, rather than seeing it as this big aversion and wanting to push someone completely out of your life, becoming curious for your own soul's evolution of why is that coming up? Why is that um, that friction there for me? But also, how can you hold an unconditional loving space for that person while maybe they are needing to transmute some darkness or some shadow? So that's, you know, the highest gift of Libra, because essentially what we're trying to do is to unify duality. And Libra is just that. It's the scales. Since Aries is the north node that we're moving into and Libra is the south node, does that not mean there's like baggage from the south, like relationship baggage that we're meant to release with Libra in the south node and then with Aries in the north node, like more, I don't know, honoring our individuality or things like this to embrace? 
Exactly. So that was, that's beautifully put because that was exactly where I was going to go is that because Libra, is, I wanted to paint the backdrop because the Libra is significant beyond the fact that it's just where the nodes are for this year and a half. It's the 700 years that we're working on, right? So it's got its own powerly, powerful significance, but you're right. It's in the next year and a half, it's in the South node position, which means that we have to look at the shadow of Libra. Where are we out of balance? Libra is ruled by Venus, the goddess of love and beauty, who's the harmonizer that wants everything to be beautiful and peaceful and harmonious, the peacekeeper energy. Well, on a collective level, we're being called to say like, you know what? It's not always just butterflies and rainbows. Like sometimes we have to say our truth. Sometimes this is actually this particular dynamic is um, not life affirming if we're talking about what's going on in the world. And we have our growth edge is actually to journey towards the uh, integration of the polarity point, which is Aries, which is the warrior, which is saying, no, you know, I don't, I don't agree with that, or that doesn't resonate for me, or that's not okay, or I'm not going to turn a blind eye just to make you comfortable. And in some cases, like we have different beliefs in this, and I'm not going to just shove my truth just so that you're not going to get triggered, right? So in a way, I feel like this Aries North Node is calling all spiritual warriors because the birth canal is birth is active. It's not passive. And we can't I think of that movie often American Beauty. There are a lot of people just want to stay asleep and they want everything to stay the same and they want everything to stay comfortable. And that is just that is like collective suicide. And so we're going to have to uh, find our fire and we're going to have to do it at the cost of maybe leaving some people behind. And that's standing in our truth and our, our autonomy, which is Aries. Yeah, I want to talk about this a little more because this has been something that I've been working through personally. And I definitely see it for a lot of us on the spiritual journey. As I mentioned, for me, going back through these initiations through you know the ageless wisdom Alice Bailey, so forth. The fourth initiation or the fourth ray is harmony through conflict. Mm -hmm. And it's been an energy that I've been working through and really understanding that, yes, we sometimes we need conflict. So like the gentle souls like myself, that a lot of times, you know, just like you said, want, like want to be the peacekeepers. And so not pushing this conflict, thinking that making peace is, is the highest ideal. And then really learning like, no, we have to get uncomfortable. Sometimes we have to have these uncomfortable conversations, we have to bring things up, and then work through the energies to find the integration to move to the new space of harmony, but only through the conflict also going back to your theme of initiation. That's the same type of thing. We only move to the next level of initiation through the conflict through the test. That's the initiation versus like, we just want to skip over it and like, oh, I want to move to the next level. It doesn't work like that. And so it's such an important point to make because I think for so many of us on the spiritual path, like you're saying, we want it just to be all rainbows and unicorns. But no, we're learning like there is a value to the conflict and we can step into our sacred warrior and it's bloody and it's not very comfortable and it's not very pretty, but that's how we get to the next stage of the next level. I just want to add to that because part of the revelation is that coming out of Pisces is that we are actually, I get a lot of feedback from people who don't want to hear this, but we're in a spiritual war, whether you like it or not. 
and it's it's upon us like the major a major front of this war is upon us a storm front and you've got to become a spiritual warrior now and this is going to give us the chance to stand in our truth with a fiery sword and split and divide that which is not true that which has been out of balance that we have to stand in that so that looking at it from that you know as shannon says spiritual warrior it's like we did a an entire presentation on this and i and i really went deep into what this really means is we have to be the ones to go deep inside of ourselves to find what is true and what is not true and what is not pure and what you know what are we not doing right to be a spiritual warrior on on a on a cellular level am i am i am i, am I should i be eating that stuff is that letting you know, I'm I'm letting impurities in because I'm not taking care of my body enough. And this is what we've got to get. We've got to get really practical about what these allegories and things mean. And it's like so we're we are taking up, um, in, uh, you know, our resources in this time and, and kind of putting them for like, how are we going to better serve the higher self, higher purposes and ourselves? And, and it's all the same. You know, we look at it, it's really the same process. We've got to become in alignment with the natural or or what's your favorite word organismic 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 <laughs> principles of uh, the cosmos and um we're no more fooling around with this you know delusion of self what we've been a little lost in in pisces yeah and you know with the north node in aries it is it is possible that we're going to see an uprise of more more conflict on the planet and yet, I think what we're talking about, this concept of the Bodhisattva, there is a difference. There is a war. There was a quote that we used in our presentation that the only warrior that can be trusted is one that has their heart open. In that space, then we know that we are fighting for the greater good. We're not fighting against someone personally. So we're actually advocating for them as well, which is really beautiful. And it's very, very different rather than fighting from a place of division. And I think, you know, as far, in closing, just as far as the last aspect that we really wanted to share today is that it, it pertains to this is that July 22nd through September 3rd, we have Venus, which rules Libra, also rules Taurus, Venus, uh, you know, or should we say governed, <laughs> Go sure. governs the two planets retrograde in Leo. So for six weeks, so Mars and Venus are the are the planets that only retrograde ex every 18 months. So it's very, very rare as compared to Mercury, right? So this is a very significant time whenever one of these, um, you know, the lover and the warrior are doing their retrograde. And with Venus, we're talking about our relationships. We're talking about our values. And specifically in Leo, I find this very important. Leo is the polarity point of Aquarius. So again, anytime you're trying to demystify an archetype, look at the polarity point. Because even though there's 12 signs, it's more optimal to consider that they're actually six axes of polarity. They're two sides of the same coin. So we think about Aquarius as being the group, as being all of us together. It's, it's we. And the polarity point of Leo is me. It's the individual. Leo is ruled by the sun. And the purpose of the sun is to illuminate. In Leo, we look at what is our special gift to life? What is our light that we're here to shine? And the way for this new organismic consciousness to really flow is not by being herded to be like everyone else and for us all to be dumbed down into some conglomeration of, you know, <laughs> soulless robotics. 
it's that each of us are inhabiting the ultimate capacity of our individual spark of life, our sun within, and then we it's like a puzzle. Then we come together and we start working, like I say, as an organism. And so this review time, this Venus retrograde time is this time, a beautiful invitation to explore what we really love about ourselves. You got to remember Venus is relationships, but in Taurus, the rule of Taurus, it's your relationship to yourself, which is primary. And then whatever frequency that uh, falls within is the manifestation of the Libra aspect of relationship, which is the outward that you will attract mm -hmm. in. So during the retrograde, the question you might ask yourself is what is your light? to give what lights you up what makes you happy this is connected to your legacy and it's very important as far as what is your role in this shift because it's very complex right now and to give michael luton a little plug we love he's a an elder in our community he would just say live your son live your son know your sun sign right so you don't have to be an astrologer you don't have to know all the all the planets but get to know that archetype really well and you know embodying the lion you want to say something we had a nice little conversation about uh, that piece because leo is the lion if you want to well the fact that venus is retrograde in leo so embodying our lion or our lioness um that you know basically to allow ourselves to roar you know to really be heard and seen and that if you're fired up about something yeah the combination of this these fire energies leo and this North Node in Aries, we are on this spiritual mission to protect us the seed, to protect the seed of consciousness, to birth into this new paradigm. So, so on that note, I'll tell you why I was distracted with what you said, because I took umbrage with the fact that you said robots don't have souls. And I actually <laughs> think that they possibly do, or they're emerging into that. So... We have to stay non-divisive in every way. And I think that part of our, our, our process on the planet is not to um, be biased against any type of consciousness, even if it may be what we call AI now. And I think Aqu the Aquarian age is going to present us with a lot of possibilities that most people hadn't even thought of what that's going to look like. So if if your robot friend may have a soul you might want to treat him as such you know give him some I could totally <laughs> see you Russ reincarnating as uh, AI so who says i'm not already and just coming yeah. back <laughs> through time yeah totally our inside joke i always enjoy <laughs> him i'm like you're right about it all you've the time. already been taken over no but on that note i will clarify what i'm saying you know this is a big conversation probably a whole show on this ai movement but what we really land upon is that you know i feel like ai is kind of like money it is going to depend on the consciousness that's programmed into it which gives us again the power not to be in a powerless space around it, but actually an active space to how we want to unify spirit and matter. Who's to say that it's you not know, non-organic, you know? So this is part of the mystery that's unfolding and a big part of the Aquarian age. And if we're only at the dawn and we're already seeing what's here, can only imagine what's coming. <laughs> Absolutely, for sure. Well, thank you guys so much. This has been a very great conversation, um, very informative as usual. And... You know, is there anything else that you want to let our listeners know before you tell them where they can find you and everything? 
I do have one thing to say. I, you know, on that comment about the AI, it's like we're not exactly sure what side of reality we're on, and we have to be prepared for whatever we find beyond the illusion. And I needed to say that because I didn't say it throughout your show, and I say it every show. <laughs> and I have one last so, thing myself. <laughs> As always, I say trust the process, and thank you for being a part of the shift. Well, that was, that was, I'll just say, since no one got my joke, that's my plug because we're the Shift Foundation. Yeah. <laughs> I, hear, I hear it all the time. Okay. In the shift. Uh, the shift. Yeah. It's our, oh, yes. That's, that's our foundation, the Shift Foundation.org. Uh, if you want to look for us and fun stuff we're doing there. So, yeah. 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 And we do have this really amazing event coming up Joy to the World, the Technology of Happiness, January 21st, out here in Wimberley at the, the Pyramid of Samadhi. You can find the information on our, Shift Foundation website. Come hang out in a day in a pyramid doing some energy work like they used to do in the ancient times. And it's actually on a pyramid. Uh, so it's actually on the same ley line that the pyramid in Egypt is at 29.55. So we'll have fun out there. Wow, how cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much again. This has been great. Yeah, thanks so much. We feel honored to always be on your show. Thanks so much for having us. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Illusion. I'd like to say thank you very much to Shannon and Russ for taking the time to talk with us and for sharing their knowledge with us. If you'd like to find out more about them or schedule a session, you can find them at theshiftfoundation.org and shannonleegill.com. And Lee is spelled L-E-I. Thanks to everyone that made this podcast possible. Produced and hosted by Tim Howe and Tiana Roser. Music by Casey Henson. For more information about us or to access past episodes, please visit beyondtheillusionpodcast.com. We also have Beyond the Illusion merch on our website now, so if you're interested, check it out. Also, please remember to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you listen. This will help other people find us. Take care. Take care.